Hi, and welcome to the Law of Positivism podcast. I'm your host, Shireen, and I'm the creator of Law of Positivism. I'm here to help you on your spiritual and healing journey. I am a certified yoga and meditation teacher, a student of Chinese medicine, a doula, a Reiki practitioner, and a passionate, highly sensitive person. I want to use my knowledge to channel information and messages for you to grow on all levels. Hi, and welcome to the ninth episode of the podcast. I am so grateful that you're here and that you're sharing your energy here. And I'm really excited to share some insights into today's topics, which is going to be about the union of the divine feminine and masculine. And I have a beautiful guest this week. Her name is Emma Jung, and she's an energy healer, a Vedic astrologer, an intuitive psychic, and she creates very beautiful sacred smudge fans, which you might have seen on my page, and also art, and she has so much knowledge and so much wisdom. And we do talk about Atlantis and Lemuria, which is a very interesting area that we cover today, and we tap into some of ancient Egypt as well. So I really hope that this episode resonates with you, and if it does, please leave a review on iTunes. If you leave a review, you can take a screenshot and send it to me, and I will give you an oracle card reading. All of your reviews and ratings are really helpful for other people to find the episodes and the podcast. So I'm really grateful for, for all of you who have left a review, and I read all of them. So thank you so much, and just enjoy this episode. Hi, Emma. Hi. Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm really excited about this conversation. And I would love for you to start telling the listeners how you stay mindful and present. Well, uh, I have listened to a few of your podcasts and I, I actually did think... What would I say to this? Um, and <laughs> honestly, the answer is kind of, how do I stay mindful and present? Well, I stay mindful and present, basically. Mm. Um, meaning that I, uh, what would I need in any given moment? Uh, if it's, do I need to be emotionally aware? Or do I need to let out emotions? Do I need to change my thought patterns? Do I need to um, talk to somebody about something, vent or release or move or, you know, uh, mm. whatever is needed in the actual present time? Because it can be so different uh, mm. what is needed. So it's a hard question to answer mm. um, because uh, it depends wholly on what uh what is actually happening for me so it can be anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good thought actually because it depends on what's happening that's very true 
Yeah, so, I was like, I can't yeah. really answer this because, mm. uh, or well, I just did, but uh, in <laughs> in a very you know short, concise way because it's yeah. so it's so dependent on um, the situation. Sometimes mm. you need to meditate and calm yourself, and sometimes you need to honor what is there and feel and let it out and cry or rage or write or whatever you need to do um mm. and sometimes you need boundaries and to not engage and sometimes you need to engage so it's like you know mm. just depending on the actual yeah. uh thing yeah <laughs> lovely thank you and yes so I would love for you to tell the listeners more about yourself and what you do so we can get into the conversation. Yes. Oh, so exciting. Well, where to start? Um, I'm from Sweden, as you are. Uh, I. Oh, wow. <laughs> where do you start? What I do, we can start there. What I do is I, I'm a therapist i'm a energy therapist healer uh artist or creator um uh, i do the sacred smudge fans mm. um and a bunch of other things i there's so much i don't know where to start and astrology i do mm. astrology vedic astrology uh mm. which is a bit different from the western and Lately, I've been thinking a lot about and integrating a lot the the differences and um, the union between the masculine and the feminine within myself, but also outside of myself. Mm. And uh, I come from a pretty small town in Sweden. It's uh, and. I was born on summer solstice around midnight on full moon. Mm. And the full moon, if you have that with you, it's the, 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 the sun and the moon is uh, directly opposite each other, which mm. basically creates a conflict um, within the, which is portrayed or being manifested outside of you as the parents are very different. They are uh, dramatically uh, opposed to each other. And what happens because of this is um, the child, i.e. me, will have to kind of choose one to integrate with. Because if you, if you were to imagine the sun is in one direction and the moon in the other, so if you face the sun, then your back is to the moon. You don't see it. Yeah. So it's like either or. Um, and so that is something that's been very present with me and has kind of made, because of upbringing and things happening, um, happening and not happening in my life, I rejected my own femininity a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. I've had a lot of uh, self-destructive behaviors and a lot of, I was a very sensitive child um, very early on, I, I sensed and saw a lot of things uh, in the darkness, so to speak, and felt quite unsafe. Um, and, uh, and there's also been 
yeah, but, I'm just going to see how I'm going <laughs> to mm-hmm. create like a flow of it. So it's, mm. it's easy to go with it. Um, mm. But yeah, there's been a lot of turmoil, let's put it like that, in my upbringing. A lot of mm. um, quite unsettling energies uh, flowing around, both in the, in the ethereal dimensions in the dark, so to speak, but also in, in family uh, situations uh, of creating this instability. And growing up, I became very self-aware and, you know, insecure and um, developed like many women do, eating disorders and self-hatred and self-loathing, which mm. turned into very destructive behaviors, uh, a lot of anger, I directed towards myself, both due to my relationship with my mother and my father, but also because of this polarity of moon and sun, of me not being able to integrate with either one, basically. Um, so on one hand, I, I really rejected being a woman. Um, and you can go into all manner of past life things also if you want to, but if just if we just stay on this life, so um, mm. I was very mean to myself um, and really did not like uh, having shapes, um, looking like a woman. I didn't understand it then. I do now, which is why I'm saying mm. it. But, but I at the time I just hated myself. And wanted to not have any shapes at all. Uh, I also, at the same time, was quite... I didn't really understand men. I didn't understand the masculine energy. I was afraid of it. um, Which has... I've been afraid of it, I think, up until maybe a couple of years ago. And I'm 33 now. So that's Mm -hmm. been very present. And also been... um, Oh, what's the word in English? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. Mm. But basically, I, I, I got into this uh, vortex of, of being very uh, destructive, of starving myself, of uh, abusing myself in different ways. I, I was a dancer. I, I used to uh, work out a lot. We were competing on high levels on like world championships so we we trained a lot and I and I didn't eat I basically just drank coffee and smoked and went around and didn't like myself at all Mm. Uh, I remember I used push pins you know to like because I couldn't cut myself because that would be visible Mm. Um, so I used that instead to really so there, there was this huge rejection of my physical form i.e. the feminine um, and then you have um, this the masculine energy that I could not understand at all either so moving on and I had I've encountered a lot of men that has not been very nice so there's been some traumatic experiences let's say put it that way that is sort of also made me fearful of expressing femininity because then you attract men which is kind of dangerous and so on you know 
That's, that was like my pattern. And then I, I, what I've done, I've, I've from studying and moving through therapy and all these different things. Uh, I think that a big initiation of this happened when I was in 2013, mm-hmm. when I was, uh, I was attacked in my home and uh, raped and made me sort of it's turned everything upside down because everything kind of broke into the open of masculine energy feminine energy and i at the time didn't know this but i can see that it started then um and and sort of is it's interesting because it's moving into the seven year cycle now 2020 and i'm feeling Mm. the end of this initiation happening so that was like the first big push uh, from the universe trying to show me what I need to see, what I need to heal. And I went very deep into therapy, but also it made me really even more reject femininity because I felt, well, this is, I can't really express this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a long time of, of moving um, moving closer to myself and really knowing what has happened and, and working out trauma from childhood and everything um, to see why I, on my part, attracted this energy. Why am I attracted to this man? Because it was the guy I was kind of flirting with. Um, because we're all basically responsible ourselves. I'm not saying that it if you're a victim of sexual abuse, you're, you're responsible. I'm not saying that very clearly want to state that I'm not saying that, but for me, I was like, I could see there's a pattern uh, of being a victim. Mm. Um, And where am I going with this? I have to just like (laughs) tune in (laughs) to myself. (laughs) I, I know I, yeah yeah anyway so that was a start for for me uh really getting to know these these polarities and i remember because i this therapy that i'm working with and was training uh, in at the time uh, there was a lot of clarity regarding uh, you can absolutely heal from everything it's an illusion that you can't and I remember when talking to my lawyer uh, that I had, that she, she told me that you will never, ever be able to go out and, and you will always be afraid of men and you will always this and this. And I mm. felt so strongly that this is not true. I cannot believe that this is what you're sitting and telling a person mm. that has gone through this, because how am I supposed to heal if you're telling me that this fear is going to be a forever thing Mm. firstly i knew it's not true but also it kind of made me feel a fire within kind of i have to try to work to change this pattern because it is a pattern present that you should be afraid of men and it's not true Mm. um i know there are a lot of toxic masculinity out there 
but there are also a lot of divine masculinity rising. And that's why it's important to talk about the polarities and why, what are they? What is, what is the masculine energy actually about? Mm. What is the feminine energy actually about? Because a lot of the toxic feminine, the toxic masculine energy is actually the feminine trying to be masculine. Mm. That is what I've sort of come across. Mm. And the feminine is extremely powerful. The feminine is creation. The feminine is life. The feminine is uh, this enormous, you know, portal of creative energy that is birthing and upholding and then uh, destroying everything. The earth is feminine. She has seasons. She has volcanoes. She has storms. She has tsunamis. You know, beware of her, <laughs> the goddess energy. And then you have the divine masculine, which is the sun or the consciousness, which is basically just holding space for the earth to bloom over and over and over again. Mm. Um, and I had, uh, and so that kind of sparked a, a fire that I have, I have to understand this. But then there were a lot of years of, you know, just working through my own stuff. Um, and then... Um, I went to Glastonbury a year and a half ago, mm. uh, which is like the second part of this initiation. And uh, up until that time, I had sort of gone very much into the masculine vibe. I dressed very masculine-like. I was very um, masculine in my approach to everything. Uh, very harsh, very logical, very mind focused uh d did not feel um or did not want to feel um but when i went there it had started to shift before but I, I went there and i remember sitting on the tour which is there's mm. two hills there and they're sort of talked about as feminine and masculine hills there's the weary all hill which is more feminine um mm. Mary Magdalene kind of and it's a tour which is the Michael Saint Michael line mm. and very masculine energy and when I sat there I felt the earth and this is going to sound weird <laughs> but I felt the earth come up inside me mm. as I sat there and in that moment I kind of clicked that I am a woman <laughs> it's almost as if I hadn't realized I was before in a weird way and it's hard to kind of describe but it's like I something connected that I need to have a masculine polarity to embrace my own femininity otherwise I can't I have to have both which is also a connection to these full moon things I, I describe with there needs to be two of them and having full moon energy you have to really you're able to, if you work with it, to hold the full feminine and the full masculine and, and really balance them. But it takes a lot of work. But that was kind of an insight of we really need both. Otherwise, we can't really even have one of them. Mm. Well, for me, it was like that. It might be different. But the, the important thing is they are very much needed. And the typical masculine, I would say div divine masculine, um, in its essence, which is starting to emerge 
and I'm very happy to see that it is. I can see a lot of divine masculine popping up all over the place. Um, it's very nurturing. It's very steady. It's consciousness. It's very gentle, but protective. Uh, boundaries, discerning, there is a logic to it. There is a kind of, it's not that it's unemotional, but it's a way of looking at things with very deep clarity, uh, as in, whereas the feminine is very much cycle-based, it's very flowy, it can be very emotional. So the way you look at the thing, it's like the moon, it's, it has these different faces. Uh, so the way you look at a thing will always be dependent on where you are in your cycle face or in your emotional state when you're fully in the feminine. Therefore, you kind of have to be very mindful of where yourself, you yourself are. Whereas the masculine is always, the sun is always shining in the same way. If it's clouded, it's because it's cloudy on the earth. It's, the sun is just as it is, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of the divine masculine. And also the, the job for the masculine energy is to be there and nurture the feminine as she goes through her creative birthing process, really. And now I'm talking about within yourself now. Hmm. Uh, it can also manifest outside, obviously, but you can be a woman and be very masculine and hold the divine masculine and have a partner, a man that is very divine feminine. So the gender is not really, I'm not talking at all about sex or the genders. It's, mm. it's more on a subtle level. Mm. And so basically the feminine, the divine feminine, the way I see her um, is very creative. It's very, it's the Kundalini. It's the spiritual life force of everything uh, the birth uh and the destruction also it's like all manner of emotional energy uh, flowing um mm. which is depicted in our life which is depicted in our uh, menstrual cycles if you're a woman it's depicted in uh earth and her seasons it's depicted in the in the sexual the climax of the sexual act this enormous burst of energy uh that is very much the divine feminine regardless of your gender and the masculine is basically uh the protector of this process so for your feminine to bloom, to be all that she can be within yourself, you need the divine masculine to put boundaries around her, to put protection around her, to be clear and, and discerning regarding what do you want and what do you need in your life? How are we supposed to do this? The logical mind of how are we supposed to create, to create a framework for this enormous energy. And if you can tune into both of them and create a merging and the union with them, then you can absolutely manifest almost anything. This is my mm. kind of view. And going into the, the kind of subject of uh, timelines and mm. representation of this and the human consciousness part of it, uh, if we go way, 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 way back to Atlantis and Lemuria, these ancient civilizations, which is 
they are basically uh, representations of these two, the Atlantis uh, civilization, which is the masculine energy, and Lemuria, which were very much the divine feminine energy. That was kind of, uh, those were the, the energies that were um, present or, or ruling or flowing. So Lemuria was the first of those two. Uh, if we go into just tuning into uh, Lemuria as, an, as a space, because regardless if you believe that it existed or not, the energy of it exists. Mm. The archetype of Lemuria is the divine feminine. The archetype of Lemuria is still present and needs to be reawakened. And if you imagine the movie Avatar, that mm. is kind, that's kind of typical Lemuria. <laughs> mm. You know, this uh, connection to the earth, the, the, the ability to see earth's energy um, the sacredness of life and the interconnectedness of all beings, uh, which is also very present in, in like tribal shamanic uh, native cultures um, that, that has been so brutally wiped out mm. in a lot of ways. Mm. <clears throat> That's a very Lemurian way of being, uh, honoring earth, basically. And so Lemuria, uh, where, where she, it was a lot of tribal-based life, you know. You lived in, in small communities, you had these tribal communities where everybody was kind of equal. You followed the Earth's, um, the earth's um, seasons, you had a lot of um, um, collective energy. Uh, if you were to... Uh, uh, compare it to like, I don't want to say socialism because it's a negative connotation of a word, mm. but it's like everybody contributed. It was very much like the whole is the, it's a big thing. Everything is supposed to be because of the whole, the community is the most important thing, more important than your individual self. So you are a part of a big picture in Lemuria. Mm. Um, which is very beautiful, but there was also this, the divine being held up as, a, as the masterful, as the most important thing. Like women were very celebrated as uh, keepers of life, of uh, we are the portal of life because we give birth, um, we, we bleed. There's also this uh, deep spiritual connection to menstrual blood having, and you can see this in a lot of texts that there's been this enormous uh, spiritual and, and uh, sacred uh, worshipping of the menstrual uh, cycles mm. um, and it being used as medicine and being used as fertilization of the land and everything. And it was very much focused on this, on women and women were a lot of the time the leaders of the, of the groups and they were the priestesses and the shamans and the, the, the ones that were connecting to uh, wisdom and held the answers and consciousness and all these things. Um, and this is kind of, I think, the reason why Lemuria is so back on the, <laughs> on the market, so to speak. Mm. Uh, it's very uh, 
present now is because the divine feminine is trying to really emerge. We've sort of all, there's been a long time, this divine feminine movement, but there's this also deep connection to the earth because she's kind of in need right now. Mm. Um, but also to bring back this kind of sacredness. Um, and Lemuria, um, the way people lived back then is very, uh, it's very close to nature. And there's this, um, we have to also talk about the crystal work, about the more you move towards, because this is a long period of time. We're talking mm. about hundreds of thousands of years. Mm. So you kind of have to know that in the beginning of Lemuria, when it emerged and it was the, the, the very blessed time, of course it was magical. It was this, uh, you know, everything is so, there's shape-shifting people, uh, there were tribes that were very connected to the water people. I know there are people who know that they've been mermaids and they've been dolphins. And mm. the dolphins are very connected to Lemuria. Whales are very connected to Lemuria. Also mer people, because of this very connectedness to water and emotions and femininity again. Mm. And you can view this very symbolic or you can see it as it has actually happened. You can choose whatever you like, but e even... Nonetheless, it is, it is very, in the consciousness of humanity, it's an important part to know and to integrate because it has to do with the divine feminine. So um, the way people work with crystals, there's a lot of talk about the, the codings in crystals and, and Lemurian seed crystals. And they started to work with them to basically create energy and channel energy. But this, this really evolved a lot more in Atlantean times. Um, so I'm going to go into that when I get to Atlantis more. But there, there are these Lemurian seeds that are buried that, because they use them to connect with Earth. They use them to connect with weather. Um, and I have had, I have a few Lemurian seeds. I have two that are my babies. Uh, <laughs> one of which I know I've, I've met before. It's like when I'm, when I, when he came into my life, I was like, I know you, we've done this before. And it was the weirdest kind of connection. It was like, I missed him. I say him because it's a masculine energy for sure. Mm. When I went out of my home. I was like, this is not with me. It feels like I'm half now when I don't have this crystal with me. And it sounds weird, maybe, but it's true. Mm. Because I do believe, uh, I know, I mean, we exist more than one once uh, <laughs> on this, in this mm. universe. So the Lemurian seed crystals, what they can do now is basically connect to you with past lives. Uh, past knowledge they are ingrained with codings and energies of how they work with them then which is basically to channel energy and to create energy and to create magic um, not magic as in sorcery but but as in working with the elements and the grid and earth um, and a lot of crystals do have programming and coding in them. It doesn't have to be a Lemurian crystal, but they are very specific to this um, 
to this kind of energy and they are often very very strong um yes but as with all of humanity there's also shadows and i feel it's important to talk about the shadow of lemuria as well mm. before because there's a lot of focusing on atlantis and how that fell and how the atlanteans were not very nice towards the lemurians and there was a lot of um not very nice things happening there which i'm going to go into mm. but it's important to also own up to the feminine and our shadow sides because the, the feminine is being kind of put on a pedestal and has been put on a pedestal for a long time and the masculine is being really torn down and just um put out in the shade kind of um and, and I'm talking like in present time now with all these movements happening. And, I, and it's important to see things for the way they are, but it's also important to see your own shadow. Mm. Uh, and so the, the Lemurian, I mean, the Lemuria also fell. We always talk, talk about Atlantis falling, but Lemuria also fell because it was a it kind of, it's like, Humanity as a as a concept or as a race in the in the ga galaxy of where we are right now, the polarity of of masculine and feminine is the whole point of consciousness. That the merging of those two are the key to evolution. That's kind of what I'm feeling, and what I have felt. The key is integrating those two within yourself and that is what has been trying to manifest through eons of time in lemuria it was divine feminine order uh trying out the the full-on feminine and with time the shadows start to emerge the kind of um the feminine shadows are very manipulative um negative emotions, jealousy, um, using sexuality as a weapon, um, being very a dark magic kind of thing, very, um, oh, what's the word? Um, yeah, manipulative is a good word, but that is kind of where if you, if you want to use a symbolic uh, analogy with, uh, with Eve and the snake, I'm not religious at all. It's just a symbol of, of that kind of energy of being tricked into something. That's the shadow side of the feminine um, and the very destructive energy and very kind of power hung hungry, but in a more manipulative, emotional way. And so the shadow side of Lemuria started to really show sides of basically masculine but distorted because of the feminine not being able to understand the masculine energy trying to start leadership trying to control trying to create frames trying to um, be leaders but in a toxic masculine way i.e dictatorship we are like the priestesses then i'm not saying all of them but there were you know controlling we say what is right and if you don't like it then you're not a part of this community and because it was a community-based space 
that was a very fearful thing to uh, take in. Because if you're out of the community, then you die, basically. Which, mm. you know. Um, and that is also very present right now. People are very afraid of doing what they're supposed to do. They are very afraid of being their unique selves. Because if I am cast out of my of my community, of my collective, my divine feminine group, i.e. the mother, the, the, the nurturing space, then I will die because I need mothering. That is kind of what the inner child feminine, you know. But it's not true. It's, it's the illusion of being feared uh, into, do, into doing this that you need to kind of face. Um, and then this... This kind of led to Lemuria slowly falling at the same time as Atlantis started to rise, because that is like a, if Lemuria is very much feminine, then a counterpart will started to emerge, which is Atlantis. And at the start of Atlantis, the focus on it was integration, was, was basically everybody is welcome here. And, and it is kind of then the divine masculine you know, clarity, discernment, what is actually true, really wanting to understand the truth of everything, um, going into the, the very fine, detailed energy of truth and awareness and consciousness and light and the glorious space of enlightened energy. I mean, it was that uh, at the beginning. And the, there was a lot of Lemurians that fled that were being haunted, hunted by this dark energy that started to happen there, um, that came to Atlantis. So the, the Atlantis empire in the beginning was a hodgepodge of all manner of beings, you know, shapeshifters, because um, Lemuria was, I mean, this was present in Atlantis also, but Lemuria was very much shapeshifty energy because of the connection to nature, because you can be anything. If you feel like you are connected to energy in the nature, you can, if you are nature, you can be anything in nature. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and so there was a lot of inflow there and Atlantis started uh, rising up and with the, with the intent of creating integration again. So then we moved from the feminine and swung over to the masculine, um, trying to create balance. Um, but what happened, because there was just the one part, the one pole that was actually um, that was uh, the masculine was the, the residing um, power mm. um, in the consciousness of those of the beings there then they lost the feminine because the feminine, they were so wounded by this, uh, the feminine darkness, that it was kind of cast out. And no, we're trying this instead. We're going all the way on to this end. If emotional and, and group space and all this doesn't work, we'll go on the exact opposite and do this instead. And so when Atlantis really flourished, uh, there was a lot of work with crystals. Again, that deepened really and they 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 found ways to work with energy that was quite amazing uh the alchemy of of energies 
and the knowledge of life of of really uh, unlocking mysteries that was enormous um i know we spoke a bit about uh the god toth i don't know how you say mm. it in english toth um yeah. the egyptian uh god uh, which was actually a lot of people say he was an atlantean priest that had unlocked the mystery of the philosopher's stone i.e alchemy or um the key to life basically symbolically it means that he uh integrated within himself uh spirit so he could he could sort of uh, he wasn't bound by the physiology of life on earth. And a lot of the Egyptian gods and goddesses do have animal connections. Um, and I'm going to get back to that later. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but he is an example of uh, an Atlantean priest uh, that really kind of worked with those kind of mysteries. And there's also, uh, there is, uh, texts that he has written uh, that you can find if you Google Emerald Tablets of Toth uh, that is said to hold the mysteries to this. But they're quite intense mm. to read, so <laughs> you can do a little at a time. Mm. Um, but yeah, so in Atlantis there was a lot of acceptance at first. The idea of everyone being equal. Everyone is allowed to be unique as well. You're allowed to be who you are. You're allowed to be your unique self because that wasn't really there in Lemuria. It was a different energy. Both of them are needed. But here it's like on the opposite. Uh, If you were to um, take very earthy elements as a symbol, it would be capitalism and socialism, you know, Mm. uh, or communism. Um, so in Atlantis there is this uh, everyone is allowed to just do their own journey and because of this it's sort of turned into a quite hierarchical is that how you say it? hierarchy Mm, of (laughs) of uh, space Um, there were a lot of Lemurian priests and priestesses coming from Lemuria and keeping going in Atlantis, uh, but also people who, who, it was a really flourishing state based on spirituality, knowledge, uh, esoteric wisdom, crystal work, energy, uh, and I mean, they unlocked the way to move heavy objects just by energy because we know everything vibrates and they knew how to do that. Um, let's see. Uh, but then what happened, um, what they, what, what is mostly talked about today, the fall of Atlantis. This is also a civilization that lasted for a long, long, long time. So when you talk about the fall of Atlantis, it's, it's kind of the end bits just as the fall of Lemuria was the end bit. It's important to see because it's, it depicts how you have to have both parts for it to stick. Mm. But at the end, the masculine uh, polarity, it took over. It kind of, the masculine needs the feminine to, to balance himself because the, the lack of emotional awareness becomes very cold. 
becomes very kind of um, focused on um, personal gain, power, um, and and uh, leadership and um, harshness. Um, very mind focused, very very logical. Um, so there have been I know I've read countless uh witness uh and and like people who have relived memories and I have memories as well from this uh of Lemurian shapeshifters and other not only Lemurian but also other star beings coming into earth because this was a time uh if you were to believe in in this kind of uh depiction of uh creation the the Syrian Pleiadian Orion and and Lyran star people beings coming to seed earth with with consciousness and this masculine energy and the feminine energy is like the the whole the whole point of the experiment that is earth as a school for souls (laughs) (laughs) this is the challenge here because we we are we have to integrate emotion and soul and it's like the hardest thing in the world to do (laughs) But anyway, so there were a lot of different people and the the processes that kind of took over in, in Atlantis was they really wanted to understand. There was this enormous thirst for knowledge, enormous thirst to understand what is happening, what is beyond this, what is behind this, what, it, what if I open this up, what if I do this? So a lot of experiments started happening, a lot of dissections and and really awful things started to happen where Atlanteans um, used shapeshifters and uh, other beings to find out how can you shape, how can you shift shape? How can you do this? How can you read minds? How can you live for 700 years? How can you, all of these different aspects, um, typical Lemurian life expectancy is like 700 years. They were tall. Um, they were, um, they could change shapes. They could commune with animals. They could telepathically communicate uh, a lot more than Atlanteans could um, because they were so in tune, like the, you know, the tree in Avatar, the sacred tree mm. that they connect to. It's kind of like that. If you connect energetically to something, you can go and stand behind the eyes of it. And that's kind of how I work when I do my readings and I do my channelings and healings. I put myself behind another person's eyes and look through their aura, which is also part of the shamanic healing work. That's kind of, you look into the universe of another. Uh, and, And then... The Atlanteans just wanted to understand how because they wanted to use this in different ways. They wanted to harness the power. They wanted to work with it uh, to to create different energy aspects and, and infuse their crystals with it and, and you know, manipulate weather and, and flow and manifestation of abundance and all these things that were very... This is also like a pattern we can see today with trying to... Um, work with law of attraction to get money you know Mm. there's a lot of this oh law of attraction you can you can use it to get what you want 
which is very low vibrational, basically. If you use something that is uh, a universal law, you attract what you are. Uh, But if you use it to get more of something that is low vibrational, I'm not saying money in itself is low vibrational, but the, you know, you know what I mean. Mm. That is, uh, it's not spiritual or high vibrational just because you use law of attraction. Mm. You have to look at the intention behind. You have to look at why am I doing this? What part of me wants this? Is this an ego part? What kind of energy is I'm am I putting into this manifestation that I'm doing anyway side notes um (laughs) I hope all this makes sense I'm just talking nonstop for 40 minutes my god (laughs) (laughs) it's it's really interesting oh wow well yeah yeah, I hope it is I hope it is because it's it's interesting to see like we we talk a lot about the divine feminine and masculine uh, mm. But this is giving it a little bit deeper roots and uh, mm. understanding it from a different perspective and why there is this duality and yeah. sometimes a clash that needs to be like merged instead. Yeah, it's integration is the key. Yeah, and I, I have, I've been. There's been a lot of downloads happening after this Glastonbury trip, mm. where I've been shown that there is this. I mean, we are, it's a such, it's so much bigger than just right now. The eons of time of this being a process is mind boggling. This is like, this is a process that's been, been here f- from the beginning of earth. And I'm, I'm sort of being shown that these two polarities, if you were to imagine, they are moving on one side. Uh, if, you, if you imagine a road, and on the one end of the road, one side is the masculine. On the other side is the feminine. They're moving, moving, moving. And they are trying to merge. They're trying to meet in the middle of the road and walk together. But then something happens and they being, they're being ripped apart again. Because there needs, to be, there needs to be some understanding of difference. There needs to be an allowance of difference. There's a lot of talking about this, and especially in Sweden, where we are extremely, uh, we even have invented a word. I realize that this is not, this doesn't exist in other countries, but we've invented a word. I mean, you know this because you're mm. Swedish as well. <laughs> that, that is like, it's a sexless uh, word for, for a person. Mm. Like you say he or she, but mm. we have a third word that's been invented just so you don't have to stereotype or put a gender on a person because you don't know what they identify as mm. if you're a kid. You talk about children as if you were to, like, I'm just going to make up a word now, he, she, or fee, mm, <laughs> or something, you know. <laughs> then it's like, uh, you don't know. Just because you have a penis doesn't make it you a man. You might mm. feel like a woman. So mm. you don't use a gender stereotypical word to define the person before they say what they are. Mm. which in essence is very beautiful mm. but it's also like a, it's it's become kind of forbidden to talk about the, the feminine masculine and it's like no you can't say that but you have to because they are different and the differences are what's beautiful and they are so needed but it doesn't mean that they're enemies it doesn't mean that if you have one you cannot have the other 
Anyway, and so this time, it's been happening for so, so, so long. And Atlantis Lemuria, if you go even further back, um, I mean, the, the star systems that we talk about, the Syrian and the Pleiadian and, and Lyra and all of these, the only other one that has polarities is, is Orion, uh, as far mm. as I know. Um, the other ones are integrated, like Pleiadians and Syrians are integrated. They don't really understand why we have such a hard time. Why, why are we doing all this? They, they can't really, uh, they are just what they are. But on Orion, there is this polarity of darkness and light and feminine and, and masculine, which is also why there's a lot of wars happening there, which we can talk about another time because that's a whole different story. But this, this really warlike energy that is on Earth it's because of the polarities fighting. And humanity is being shown the key to this, which is union be between these two polarities, emotion and logic, light and dark, uh, earth and the sun, um, movement and stillness, peace and conflict. Everything that is different needs to be integrated, like the yin and yang symbol. Um, and, and it's not an easy thing to do, but like Atlantis and Lemuria, um, we've also in recent times, I sort of got the connection. That was something that we were shown then. And then we got this two archetypes of divine feminine masculine that was coming into earth a, a couple of thousand years ago. Christ consciousness. It was the Syrian and Pleiadian embodiment of divine masculine, divine feminine in the Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Mm. And regardless of your faith, regardless if you're religious or not, the, the people existed. We know that they existed. They were here. We know that these things, a lot of the things happen uh, that are described, but you can look at it in a different way. They are basically archetypes uh, showing us this is the divine masculine, and this is the divine feminine. And here's all this wisdom. Here's all this key to your consciousness, which is what they both try to portray and convey, which has been distorted beyond measure by humanity. Because, you know, um, so Jesus, basically, he was a great healer. He was a starseed. Definitely, he was uh, somebody who saw through the veil and had a very hard life because of this, because he has he had a purpose from so early on. You're here to do this, and you have no say. And just like, I mean, you can talk about him as this very divine figure, of very ah kind of, mm -hmm. but he wasn't. <laughs> he was like this badass person who just said exactly what he thought. He he ripped apart everything that wasn't true. He angered a lot of people. He was killed because of this. Mm. Because humanity couldn't cope with what he was showing. Uh, and this heart-based knowledge and wisdom is if you if you regard disregard uh the religious I am not at all talking about Christianity now. I really want to say that. I'm just talking about the person because he wasn't Christian. The Christian part is it's has been created by man after. That wasn't him. Just putting that out there. Mm. Anyway, um, so this he did. He was the divine masculine presence 
that was coming in to show humanity, okay, this is what is supposed to happen. Lead by your heart. The kingdom of heaven is within you. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the way. He did not mean him as in Jesus, the person. He meant you are as in consciousness, your own center, your own heart is the way you are. You have heaven within yourself. You are the universe incarnate here. Mm. Mary Magdalene, on, on the other hand, the Pleiadian incarnation, um, the way I see it, they are also, if you were to move back to the Egyptian, uh, they are like Isis and Osiris. Mm. Oh, I, I left out Egypt. Oh, I have to go back there. <laughs> There's too much. I mean, yeah, there's, there's not so enough time. <laughs> we need to, yeah, we need to have more conversations. I would yeah, like to yeah. have like a whole conversation about Egypt as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. Egypt, uh, just putting it into yeah. in there, it's like after Atlantis fall, mm. a lot of the, the the survivors went to Egypt and mm. settled there, and the the pyramids. And the Sphinx and all of these knowledges, the pyramids are directly aligned with Orion's belt. That was Lantian star beings that came. Um, and the, the gods and goddesses of Egypt that are shapeshifters, basically all of them have animal parts. Mm. Uh, Sekhmet is a lion. She's Lyran. Mm. Um, Bast is also a Lyran. Um, you have Tot, which is a bird. Uh, avian. Um, but, you know, there are all these kind of patterns. Um, so anyway, Mary Magdalene. Um, she, so she basically was the only one that, that understood the divine masculine part or, or mirror in, in Jesus, basically. She saw him for what he was and she could mirror him. And that's why they, they sort of, became this very strong um, connection. Uh, but because she was a woman, she wasn't really uh, taken seriously. He, uh, she wasn't listened to. She understood, which you ha we have seen now with all these scrolls being found of her testament, of her witness. Um, she knew what he meant. She knew that it meant this the inner journey, the self-love, the offering of herself. She was the nurturer, the mother. She was extremely empathic, extremely supportive, as in the divine feminine, the, the reception, the, the passive, the just holder of space as well, but as a mother. And she's like an incarnation of Isis from before. Mm. Um, so, and, and, um, so those two are, we were being served a depiction of divine masculine, divine feminine energy um, as a pattern for our conscious evolution. But what happened was that the feminine was erased. Mm. Mary Magdalene was erased and, mm. and shunned as man has been called prostitute and all these things, which she mm. was not. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of... Uh, sources now coming up saying that they were actually married and had children yeah. and she moved to Glastonbury mm. and, yeah. and like, you know, um, because there, but that is like, there's this timeline I feel of these two polarities being, you know, we are getting examples of this all the time. Mm. And, and this, 
the key is not to look outside of yourself, but to look in, inside of yourself. How am I masculine? How am I feminine? And then you might need to do, you ha- might need a mirror in relationship to find that part of yourself. Like I needed to, uh, or in a, in a, in a romantic uh, connection I, I had recently where I also was very mirrored in my femininity. And before that, I couldn't connect with her because that's my full moon energy. I need to kind of have, before I can integrate, uh, I need to have a mirror, but mm. I'm starting to integrate now. So that's, that's good. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, and so we are heading towards a similar Atlantean fall energy because mm-hmm. we're so focused on technology. We're so focused on money. We're so focused on our own success that we lose track of our community we lose track of our femininity we lose track of heart and the divine masculine needs the feminine's help we need to embrace them i mean my heart bleeds for all the sensitive men who are out there and do not know that it's okay to cry to be emotional to have mothering feelings to also feel like your feminine energy to it's okay to be held it's okay to be intuitive it's okay to be sensitive because that does not make you less of a man it has nothing to do with like this this macho thing is the feminine trying to be masculine Mm. do you know what i mean when i say Mm. that it's like this 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 extremely strong force trying to take on the role of provider protector nurturer Mm. And it, it backfires because it's too strong. It doesn't have, we, we have another purpose mm. as feminine. Um, and so, I, I mean, I feel like there's, there's I have, um, I want to I wanna like take an example from, from a wonderful um, light worker named Hannah Wilson. Instagram hand of Hannah. She does uh, code work and channels codes and she's brilliant. And she's done a lot of, she's talked a lot about this as well. And I've done a few uh, activation sessions with her. And in one of them, she spoke about how you can see the, the evolution and emergence of consciousness in, in humankind as walking up a mountain. And when you're up at the mountain on the top, um, you will be ascended, if you want to use that word. Mm. And when you're up there, you have to have whole the whole of us with you. And so the divine feminine, having worked a lot with this, uh, we've never really died. The divine, divine feminine has been shunned and slaughtered and uh, victimized and in all manner of ways. Uh, brutally uh, cut down but it's always been this presence you know secret meetings and women communing and it's never really gone away you know Mm. but the divine masculine has sort of been eradicated it has been Mm. absolutely extinct Mm. and so because of this it needs to be born again it needs help from the feminine the mothering energy to be birthed and it needs, and I'm not talking about men, I'm talking about this energy within ourselves and also within the 
the physical representation of men also. Because if the divine feminine walks up this mountain and stands on top, she's going to have to wait up there for the divine masculine to come up. She's not going to be able to ascend herself because she's only one part of the whole. So it doesn't matter if we are all, oh, the divine feminine, we're so awesome, we're all goddesses and doing this and awesome, you know. Mm. If we do not have the divine masculine with us, it doesn't matter because we will not rise up as one half of a whole. Mm. And so symbolically, we need to help this divine masculine energy go down and kind of lead them up and Again, it sounds like I'm talking about men. <laughs> I'm not. Help, help that energy to come up so that we are equal on this top of a mountain and then be uplifted, basically. Mm. And that's a very beautiful, a yeah. beautiful way of, of, like, it's not about even, exactly, n- none of the energies should be too dominant it should be no equal and a balance and i think that's that's so beautiful because it doesn't work if it's just one which you've seen in lemuria and atlantis Mm. and we see it now as well we see that it's a very masculine presence in the world Mm. focusing on money focusing on on power focusing on uh conquests on Mm. on all these things and it 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 you know it it needs to be both of them needs to be appreciated for their unique uh, abilities and their unique presence. And so I think it's important to talk about the beauty of the divine masculine and not only talk about the masculine as a perpetrator or as a bad presence or as macho or, you know, because the feminine, that is also the shadow side of the feminine. You know, like I talked about this of shunning and and all men are bad and and this radical feminism kind of energy. Mm. I don't think that's helpful. Mm. I think we need to embrace within ourselves, but also without the sensitivity and welcome so that more uh, and also put in boundaries. What is what is the divine masculine? What do we as women want? What do all feminine energies want as a divine masculine? And just um, acknowledge and focus and really uplift that kind of energy. Mm. The very yes. gentle um, and supportive and loving uh, energy. Mm. Thank you so much. That, <laughs> that is so beautifully put. And I... It was a really great uh, insight, I think, for all of us, like the the thread from what you talked about in the beginning and to mm. this. I'm so grateful for your <laughs> time and presence on the oh, podcast. Thank you. It's so beautiful. And we for sure have so much more to talk about. So we will definitely have <laughs> more talks. Yeah, um, I would love that. Yeah. And I love your work, like the smudge fans that you do and everything. So I will link uh, your Facebook and Instagram uh, to the podcast as well. So people can find you and and see how they can work with you as well. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. And so much fun to talk about this. Yeah, this Uh, is so beautiful. I think it is important to... 
to get this out there mm. and looking forward to talk about all matter of occult things yes <laughs> so important and so so exciting too yeah thank you so much you are so appreciated oh thank you you too yeah thank you this conversation was so amazing for me and i felt like this was a huge just channeling and transmission from emma and i'm really grateful for the conversation and i hope that this has just brought some more wisdom into your life and can help you to tap into this great wisdom and knowledge and everything that you have within yourself and to explore more and to find more answers both within you and and in these ancient texts and ancient knowledge that just has been uh, left for us to learn from so I'm so grateful that you're here and I hope that this episode can help you on your journey. So let's take a deep breath in through the nose and exhale through the mouth and thank you so much for your presence. Namaste.